Hallelujah. What a, good, what a good day in the Lord already. I'm excited. I want to share this message with you. It's a fantastic... I don't know how I could say that. It's, it's of the Lord, so I'm just going to say it's of the Lord. This is a, you, so, so come on board with me. I believe that the Lord is going to bless us this morning. Um, I know it already. I was totally blessed with some things that the Lord showed me and gave me, so I'm hoping to share it. I'm hoping that as I share it, my biggest hope is that it doesn't come out of my mouth right, but it goes into your ears right, if that makes any sense. Because however it comes out of my mouth, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will take that and he'll like fix it and like, and he'll make it work in your ears. Is that okay to pray? I pray both, but it comes out of my mouth right and hits your ears right, gets into your head, gets down into your heart, changes your soul, makes a difference. You go out there, you be salt and light in the world that's dark and dying. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I've been talking about... Uh, us being, started last week, us being the temple of the Lord as, as God's, God's desire, passion even. If, you, if, you, if there's anything that God is more passionate about, it's this one thing, is to dwell in you. That's it. I mean, that's his greatest passion. From creation to salvation to eternity, his greatest passion is to dwell in you. Do you have you realized that? I, I've, been, I've been, I don't know if I've just been more in tune with that truth than ever before, other than I've been more in tune with that truth than ever before. It's really amazing to me. I get, I'm just like, I'm blown away at not just me, but because God's, God's, God has a desire to want to be in me. So that means it comes to this place of, of value. We, we understand, we know the gospel of Jesus Christ that says he came as God to be our propitiation. He came to take our place on the cross for our sins so that we can have communion with God, loving Father, hallelujah, and all who believe in him, claim his name as Savior, get this awesome, wonderful treasure of a gift, and that's his indwelling spirit inside of us. And that's his... His desire, he values us so much to die for us, but even he takes it another place, another step, and says, I value you to live inside you. That's how much I value. That's what I see you as. A dwelling place for me. This is God saying that. That's awesome. I, does it bug you that I say that's awesome a lot? Glory. Okay, okay, glory. I'll say glory. That's glorious. Hallelujah. That's even better. I haven't even gotten started yet. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. John chapter 1, verse 14. It's out of the New Living Translation. It says, So the Word, this is referring to Jesus, became human, became flesh, dwelt among us, dwelt among us, but the New Living says this, made His home among us. And He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory and the glory of the father's one and only son God has moved in I'm going to talk about that what happens when God moves in 
I love that. Bosco said it the best way I think I've, I could have even, I, I don't have that written, but I think that's, I need to write that one down. Your life gets better in a hurry. I like that a lot. I've seen, I've seen, here's what I've seen. Okay, you, you guys know um, what we do in the community uh, is our food closet. We, we help a lot of families with our, in, in our food closet thousands of residents in the Lincoln area, Sheridan area. Um, what supports our food closet is our thrift shop. That's our primary uh, support. And what that does is it, what that allows in a community like Lincoln, where there's a lot of transition. Uh, what I'm getting to is this. What I've seen is a lot of home mergers, mergers, if you will the best word I think I could describe it as, where happens out, happens quite often in the Lincoln Hills area, um, retirement community in our, in our community, you guys are aware of that, right? One will pass, an elder, a, a, a spouse will pass, and many spouses pass, there's, there's six, 6,400 homes, I believe, is that correct, Mitzi, in Lincoln Hills? Right around there, and about 6,400, 6,004, is that right? Seven. So sevens now. Oh, well, it, okay. And there's about 10,000 residents there. What's that translate to? A lot of single, single people out there. Basically, what happens is these folks, they hook back up. So what happens is the homes merge, and this is where I get the call. Hey, I got all this stuff, we're combining households, can you come and get this stuff that we have to get rid of? Guess whose stuff goes? The dude's stuff goes, yeah. Yeah, his stuff goes. He loses his man cave, his den, his, he loses all of that. It's, it's comical, actually. I just, I giggle a lot. So we get some, sometimes some pretty good stuff that they want to donate. But here's the the issue that I'm seeing as I'm talking about this, and you're joining me in this discussion, what happens when God moves into my life, into your life? What happens? Uh, we, we, have, we have stuff, right? We have stuff. So, so what really needs to happen? What has to happen? What actually should happen in my life is... God come in, and out goes my stuff, right? Uh, I know, I love making it simple, and I, I get it this way, because when God moves in, what happens if I don't want to get rid of my stuff? Huh? Well, I, those are all good answers, but I'm going to tell you what actually happens, and this is a, this is a conversation that I think... It, and I, I researched this biblically. I want to be biblically correct about this. Is God does not move out anything that He does not have permission to move out. You guys know this? Listen. Listen to this very carefully. If you want to hold on to your stuff, guess what God will do? He'll let you keep it. He'll let you keep it. Oh, you, you, but... but, but, but what was that? I said, as long as you want 
as long as you want it, but as long as you want to keep using, I get, listen, listen, listen. But God brings in better stuff, and we want to keep our old, raggedy, cat-scratched couches because we're there, we're comfortable on them. And I don't want God messing up my stuff. Hello? I've seen that happen too. And that's kind of a mess. And then I've seen homes where people come in and, and they just pile in more stuff. And that's chaotic. It's chaotic. So, so what needs to happen, and I, this is what I'm discussing this, and I'm going to use a whole, a whole passage of Scripture. Actually, a, an entire book of the Bible, we're going to discuss it in just about 20 minutes. I, you, you might be blown away. One of the shorter ones in the, in the Old Testament. I'll clue you in just a minute. God will do and longs to do, desires to do, wants to do a complete overhaul inside of you. He wants to do this. He's kind of, have you ever, you ever watched the, the, uh, the uh, HGTV show, The Yard Crashers? Anybody watch that? Really? Okay, just a few. Here's, what, here's the premise. This dude, contractor, he actually goes to Home Depot. If you ever seen it, it's pretty cool. And I always think, man, why can't he come here? But he goes to Home Depot, and he just looks for people that are doing yard work. They're going to Home Depot to buy stuff to go home and do yard work. And he goes to many people, and they'll show it. They'll show the interaction. Hey, can I come to your house? And just basically redo, restructure, remodel, give you a complete brand new backyard. Can I do that? And people are hesitant. Of course, they're like, wait, I don't know if this is true. This can't, that's too good to be true. I don't, I don't know. Some people are like, no, I don't want you near my stuff, man. Like, no, just leave my stuff alone. I don't want you. No, I'm good. I, I don't need you to touch it. Just, I, just leave me alone. And he's got those responses. And then there's, by the time this person, usually they, they, they get to this place like, is this really happening? Oh, wait, there's cameras? Maybe this is really happening. I can see it. Oh, okay, sure. But here's what they got to do. And so they, there's this agreement ahead of time to say, if I come in, I'm gutting it. They, they have to be in agreement with that. You guys hear me? Following with me? So there has to be an agreement and the, an acknowledgement that what's going to happen and an agreement. And basically they say, you know, in, like in the apps that you download, you have to read it. Some of them you have to read all the way through to the end and push agree, right? Yeah. This is what they have to do. So they have to agree to him coming in and just gutting their yard, completely removing everything. Like anything that they tried to do on their own, they just throw it out. And it's almost always a disaster of a mess because so many people try to do stuff on their own. They never finish the projects. The projects are all just hacked up and, and looking just nasty, not done. And it's like, it, I, I, I don't know how they get it perfect every time. It, seems, it makes me think that there's a lot of trial and error there. But they come in, they gut it, and then they give them a brand new laid out backyard that's totally awesome. I like it a lot. It's a fun show to watch. You guys need to watch it now. It's really fun to show. Robin's like, yeah, he does weird stuff to their yards. I'm like, well, hey, I'd let him do weird stuff to my yard. Yeah. God is, 
God is orderly and very attentive to the details in your life. Did you know that? We talked, started talking last week about us being the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord is the dwelling place of God, correct? Where God dwells. Where, here's what I need us to understand, and I, I, I hope that we do understand this. When, remember, God gave Moses a picture of the heavenly tabernacle, correct? In heaven. Gave him the blueprints. And when you read through that and you're looking through that, you're like, wow, this is like, he does not leave out one single stitch of yarn, thread, or fabric, or measurement. He does not leave out a single thing. He doesn't leave Moses to guess how it should be. He gives him exact, precise colors of yarn to use, or, or threads to use. Did you know... And it, it, to the measurement, to the exact exactness of what it should be and should look like. That should show us real quick, obviously, right off the bat, this is God showing us what his tabernacle looks like in heaven. It's a, he's attentive to every detail of it. Hello? Now, why is it then we ask Jesus to come and live in me and we want him to leave out all alone? Let me just keep doing what I'm doing and come in and be my guest, right? You ever been a guest in somebody's home? Do you get to move their furniture around? You, you, you shouldn't. If you do, you're in the wrong. Yeah, because you're just a guest. And that's kind of how some, some of us, I, I think we're, we've asked Jesus to be in our lives and we say, yes, I love salvation. I want to go to heaven forever. No, everybody wants to do that, right? Even if you don't believe in heaven, you, you make something up to think, well, I'm going to be in this euphoria place forever, right? Everybody wants to go to heaven. But do we get to the place of now saying, Jesus, come in. <laughs> Here it is. The mess I've made is yours. Gut it and restore it. Redo it. Redo it how you want it to be done. And again, it, he will not. He will not. This is where it gets a little bit theological. I'm going to take a drink of water before I go into this. God is sovereign, correct? We believe that, yes. What does that mean? He's in full charge. There's nothing that he does nothing that he sees that he doesn't he nothing that happens that he doesn't know about and that he is not in charge of nothing in the universe god is sovereign all sovereign but do you know what he's done in creating you and i he's given us sovereignty you know what that is what is it free will He's given us sovereignty. God will not overstep our sovereignty, which he has given us. That's a hard one to swallow because we think, oh, God, you know, if God's going to make it happen, it's going to happen. Yes and no. God will not overstep you. He will not overstep your choice. You and I, right? Hello? 
any disagreement? You can disagree, but you'd be wrong. But God will not overstep our choices. He lets us choose. And that's, that's actually 100% love. That's love. God is so perfect in it that only he can do it. You and I can't do it. You try to let people have their own choice, gets, yeah, see how that goes. You don't last long, do you, huh? Let me go into some uh, scripture. I'm going to use this uh, to, to, I think, help us get a, a good picture. It's in the book of Haggai. Hag- hey, guy, what's up? Haggai. Haggai is how you pronounce it. Simply, the only reason I know that is because I have a Jewish friend whose name is Haggai. And that's how he pronounces his name. Let me, let me read. I'm going to read. This is interesting. It's about, here's, I'll set the premise just for a second because... Here's what's happened is, is after the, uh, the um, Israelites went into captivity in the Babylonians, they basically uh, they, they got their place back. Um, uh, Cyrus, I believe it was, it, they let them go back. And so they went back to Jerusalem in, in, uh, about 18 years later. So they're in Jerusalem for approximately 18 years. And then here's, here's, the, here's what happens as God speaks through Haggai. The prophet, um, it says, in the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, if you read the New Living Translation, it gives you the actual date. I kind of like that. It's kind of fun to read that. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of, these I'll probably butcher, Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadakak. <laughs> That's awesome. The high priest, we'll just call him that. Thus says the Lord of the hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now, get into the focus of where we're going with, the, with this is us being the temple of the Lord. So I just want us to, if, if you can, using this as a picture, as an illustration for us to understand God's passion for you and I as his temple. It says, Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, it is it a time for, for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in bags with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of, you, each of you busies himself with his own house, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, O man and beast, and on all their labors. So what's happened here? What's happened here? I'll break it down. Let me, let me read a phrase that, 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 I, that I wrote. It says, they lived, 
Here's, here's a, uh, they lived in perpetual frustration and discontentment. Nothing satisfied them. We can't pass over this lesson too easily simply because it is for us too. If we devote ourselves to sowing and eating, drinking and clothing yourself, earning wages, but neglect or dis disregard the inner working of God the Holy Spirit, you will live in constant frustration. If we spend our time and energy seeking comfort and security from the world and do not spend and do not spend yourself for the glory of God, every pleasure that you seek after will leave a sour aftertaste and even go into depression, guilt, shame, and frustration. Yikes. And the reason I'm bringing that this morning is, is I want us to understand the paradox of, I, I know this is going to take a the Spirit of the Lord to hear what God wants you to hear this morning. God is passionate for you to be blessed by Him. Okay? And for Him to dwell and to fill you with His presence. And in that filling and dwelling of His presence, we are blessed. We are fulfilled. We're satisfied. We are without want. Hello? Now, Here's the paradox in that. It seems like he's saying, don't go after all of that. Don't go after satisfaction, fulfillment, or being content. Go after me. And that's exactly what he's saying. Come after me, me inside of you. Spend that in intimate time with me inside of you. Let me do the work inside of you, and I'll take care of all of that. Isn't that what he says in Matthew where he talks about us seeking first the what? The kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Don't seek after all the things that you think that you need, that you do need. We do need clothes, food, houses. Hello? And in this day, cars, cell phones, and whatever else. We, we need all those things. But don't make that your pressing passion for your satisfaction of your life. You guys following with me on this? And this is what... God's issue was, was with God's people after being in the land, being restored to the land for so many years and totally disregarding and neglecting God's house. Now, yes, it's the temple, the actual physical building that he was referring to, but we are that now. It's, that, it's, it's neglecting the inner work of God inside of us. So as I talk about this, I bring this to light. I bring it up to discuss it, to understand how do we do this correctly? How do we do this as, God, as God's dwelling place? How do I honor God's dwelling place, God's temple, me, bring honor to that, and yet not make it religious, not make it legalistic, not make it something that I got a, a bunch of rules and regulations that I got to follow and do? How do I do that? How do I do that? Any suggestions? Any testimonies? What? Give it to the Lord. Go ahead, Bev. I like that. Oh, thank you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And so here I am with someone who's offended, who doesn't like me, that he was going to go out and ruin our reputation, and I was just, I was just a mess for weeks. Yeah. And the Lord said to me, you have asked me for, 
for love to dwell in you. That you yes. want to actually really love Beverly. You don't want to just try to help, fix, look good. You have over and over <laughs> said, Lord, I want to love. I want to love well. And I said, yes, yes, Lord. And this is what he said, Eric. He said, we're going to have to make room for love. Yes. Because what's filled up your, your closet here, what's filled up this household is wanting to be understood, wanting to be respected, wanting to be liked. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like a bad thing, but it's all cluttering up. It's, it, when you were talking, Eric, I loved it. Yeah. The furniture. It's like I have built my house around like me, be happy with me. I'll work really, really hard to be sure all that happens. But he said, it's all got to go out. And the only way to get move that furniture out is for someone to not like you, to not respect <laughs> you, to, to think badly of you, and release it. And live with that, and then let love Amen. actually move in. And he, and he gave that to me with, I know the plans I have for you. Amen. Because the plans you have for yourself to keep yourself safe mm -hmm. and comfortable are going to really, there's a way that looks right to you, Beverly, but the end will be destruction for you. Amen. And so I just love what he said. The word was we. We need to make room for love. Amen. And it was something that we were going to have to do together. That's right. We're going to have to release this, and I'm going to move in. So Amen. I just Thank you. to share that Thank you, Bev, for sharing that. That's great. That's a good word. As I was looking and and, and I was hoping somebody would want to share something that God has done or is doing in an inner work inside of them. I, I had to look at myself, of course, and, and as I, uh, you know, so I'll share a little bit too, and then I'm going to uh, almost really finish up in Haggai chapter 2. There's only two chapters in the book, so... But I do want, if somebody wants to share, I'd like you to, I'd like to hear a testimony too, because that's, there's, there's such an encouragement in us encouraging each other to just trust God. Trust God to move stuff around inside of me. I, uh, you know, when I first surrendered my life to Christ as Lord, There were so many trust issues in my life that I, I, I didn't even know how to do that, what that looked like. But I did know this one thing, as the Lord, the Holy Spirit showed me this one thing. And he said it in a way that was super clear. He says, I must come in and restructure your entire infrastructure. And at that time, I'm like, I, okay, what does that mean? He says, well... It's, I wrote it in the book of what it means. It's, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind, completely and wholly sold out to me. And when, he, when we give him that permission to restructure our infrastructure, that means everything that I have learned and been taught and been, has been ingrained in me that is worldly, that is not of God, that is... Of the, of the devil even, <clears throat> demonic, if you, it's, there's things that that's real that has been planted there inside of me. And he says, the only way to remove that, he says, is to take that which is planted that's not of me as a tree. And he says, it's a, as though it's a sycamore tree. He says, that's a one tree that I say you must uproot. He says, you've got to uproot the whole thing. You can't just cut it off at the, at the base. You've got to uproot the whole thing and toss it in the sea. 
That's what he says you got to do with it. So there's things that I got to, in my life, that I learned, I developed. I learned how to be abusive by watching an abusive father. I learned how to be, how to be uh, lustful by watching a lustful father. And that was normal to have Playboy magazines in a home. And that was the normal thing in my home as a kid. That was, it, can anybody else testify that, that was normal? Yeah. It, well, it was not normal, but it was regular. I know that I need to say it rightly. It was a regular thing. I got to restructure that entire infrastructure. I got to reprogram. I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to transform my mind by the renewing of my soul and spirit. I got to just say, get out of here, that stuff, and not own it and say, well, this is how it is. You know, I'm natural. I'm normal. I'm human. That's a cop-out that I've ever heard a cop-out that I've used just as much as anybody else. I'm only human. And that's a cop-out to just keep my stuff, right? Hello? That gets real, doesn't it? I got gritty. I'm sorry, I'm supposed to warn you when I get gritty. I forget about that sometimes. But in that renewing and transformation and restructuring of the infrastructure, as Bosco said, it just gets better. So, so like, what kind of fool, and I'll put myself there, would want to keep ratty old furniture when God's offering lush, plush, good working I mean, recliners with back massagers and stuff, you know? <laughs> that, that probably got heard a little bit differently because God does make us comfortable at times with his presence, but it's in a good way. It's in a godly way. It's in a real way, and it's in a right way. And sometimes it's in a very harsh way that is loving, Right? Then you've been loved by God and it hurt. Yeah, me too. But it hurts good because it works and it's better on the other end. That's a good testimony. I'm going to reword what Bosco just said is, is by the time I finally let God in and start fixing the things that I made a mess of, it was one thing at a time. And I love that. That's actually the last little phrase in my notes. Honestly, that's it. I'll read it, and then I'll read it again. Let him, the master designer and builder, have it all one piece at a time. That's how we let him have it all. Because all is, is overwhelming. One piece at a time. I could do that. One issue at a time. I could do that. You can do that. We can do that. That's attainable to let God have one thing at a time. The thing that's right in front of you. Let him have it. How simple, right? All seems like, ah, I can't do that. That's way too much. Marriage, finances, kids, job, world, politics, everything. Oh my gosh, that's like overwhelming. Hello? Anybody get overwhelmed with all that? I do. 
Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> uh, what not to do? That's what I'm trying to say. Don't, don't get, don't get. Anyway, let's 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 move on. I'm going to read uh, uh, Haggai chapter two. So he, he gives us some really great, great, great um, stuff because actually, the people responded correctly. They repented. They they heard the word of of Haggai and they repented, and so then God says. But then they started doing some things they tried so they started rebuilding the temple uh the and but they didn't let god have all of it in other words they kept what you know what they kept in rebuilding the temple just just take a wild guess their sin they kept their sin and god takes issue with that again that's later in chapter two but let's uh let me read this so there, now it's about uh, in the seventh month, on the 21st day. So it's just basically a few weeks later, I think, yeah. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory. So God's like that. You guys know that's why I like to do that because that's what God does, ask you questions to think about what you're, how you're processing, how you're thinking, how you're seeing. How do you see it now, he asks. Is it not as nothing in your eyes? You hear what he's asking there? Okay, I'll try to explain it. Basically, he's, he's referring to the folks, to the fo- people that had seen the, the temple in its original state, approximately 70 years prior to this. Um, and, and in its original state, how Solomon built it was absolutely magnificent. No, no other building, no other uh, structure has been more magnificently beautiful in all of creation, all of time. It's, it's said to be that, that, and that's historically accurate. There's nothing, I mean, this thing was overladen with gold everywhere you looked. It's like, it was amazing. This place was, I, you can't even describe it. There's nothing that we could build today that would be likened to it. And, and it's just, it was, a, it was absolutely awesome. So as, as they're building this, rebuild, rebuilding the temple, God puts a, the finger on the issue of their heart. And he says, you're building this, but you're looking at it as nothing, as a small thing, as puny, as, as, as insignificant. Because you're comparing it to what, what was. He said, but I'm telling you, and this is what he goes on. He says, how do you see it now? It was not nothing in your eyes. Yet now, but he's saying this, yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Don't get caught up in it, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you from, from when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Do you hear what he's saying there? I'll explain it real quick. I love it because it says it so clearly to me. Is just because you see it as insignificant, just because you see you as what you do doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I see you as significant. I see you so precious and valuable. I want to live in you. And I want to be a light through you. And I want to use you right where you're at. And you have no idea 
at the, I, how great I'm going to use you. If it's one life, if it's a hundred lives, if it's a thousand lives, how many you will impact for eternity. Because that one life, that one that you might be able to share the Lord with by your life living in front of them and by your word, the testimony of your mouth, that one life just might be the next Billy Graham, just might, might be the next great evangelist that carries uh, revival into our day and age. Hello? You don't know. We don't know. But he, what we do know is what God says about us and the value that he sees in you to live in you. I have not left you. Be strong. Be courageous. And then I love it. Uh, this is just me loving this part of get to work. Get to work. Don't be lazy. Get to work. Do it. Doesn't matter how you see it. Let God do it in you and let God complete it in you, the work He's doing, the restructuring of your infrastructure, the transforming of your mind, the infilling of your spirit, of God's presence permeating a dark and dying world. Hello? That was weak. Hello. Come on. Amen. Come on, join me in this. This is good stuff. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. You know, he's referring to that is that that... Remember, the old temple was built in such ornate just beauty of silver and gold. He says, that's all mine. That's all mine. And if I want to bring that back and pour it over and put the new one just like that, I can do that. I'll do it. I'll, I'll set people in place. I love it, and I'm going to talk about it next week because I want Mackenzie to be in here, and she's not here, but I want her to be in here. The original designing and building of the original temple was so awesome, and how God had infilled by His Spirit, and I can never pronounce His name correctly, so I'm going to work on it and study it, but the artist and the, and the, the, the architect and the artist to build the temple as God gave him the spiritual design in his heart and mind to do it. It's so awesome. I've, I've loved... Anyway, next week. Got to come back. Cliffhanger, right? But let me finish this passage because he says this. The latter glory of this house, listen, shall be greater than the former. What? the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Do you know what he's saying in that? Come on. Hear me and hear what the Lord is saying. You, 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 each one of you are more glorious than Solomon's temple. Why is that? Because it's the presence of God continuously never leaving us, working in us and through us. That's why when we, when we shine like stars in the universe, when we, when we allow the glory of God to just be 
everything in us and about us, when we seek first the kingdom of God, people see Jesus in us. Robin and I have multiple friends that are not believers. And we don't know why they like us. We trust that the Holy Spirit is, is showing them Jesus in us. And they bless the heck out of us as friends. And all we want to do is show them Jesus. All we want to do is show them Jesus. That's why even like when we have the boys, I got to tell you, I, and we tell them, I love you boys. We love you. We love you. But what we want to see most, and most importantly, is not that they know that we love them, but they get a glimpse. They get it that God loves them and wants to be in them and wants to love and rule and reign in their heart, mind, and soul. That's, our, that's my ultimate prayer for them. I, I love them, and, and, and there's, there's a constant... I'm going to tell you, this, you, you, want, you, want, you want... Anybody live with three teenager boys? I think that's why God said get to work. It's work. It's good work. I love you guys. Sometimes it's easy work, but man, sometimes it's like, God, ah, just can, can I bop them? Robin says no. And it was funny because we had a situation just this last week, and Robin had just left to go to the beach. No wonder she gets away. So as much as she, I was like, yeah, get away. When's my turn? But <clears throat> she. Uh, Oh, did I say that? Was that my vo that outside voice? Mm. But uh, she's a healthy balance in me. Uh, and, and Mackenzie, my loving, graceful daughter, she was in the room as I was having an intense conversation with a teenage boy in the house. She's like, Dad, you got to just watch yourself, man. You're scary. I'm like, what? what are you talking about? Said, Dude, you're scary. I'm like, I'm, I'm not scary. No, you, it, so we had this really good conversation. I'm sorry I'm letting you in on a, a, it was an intimate conversation with her, but it was great because I needed to hear how scary I can be at times, and it was good. So listen, let's finish this. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And this is, I love this last phrase. It's in here. I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. How do you not?